Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. I'm sick, like Chucky was sick. My defeated heart keeps beating on. I won't die, like Chucky won't die. But I'm not here to socialize. Gotta find a new place to hang out. Cause I'm tired of living in hell. I'm a mess since you cut me out. But Chucky's arm keeps me company. I'm a fright with my tombstone smile. Hey everybody, welcome to episode 11 of Reporting is Eligible, um, the Milwaukee's Tailgate football podcast. Um, I am Paul Noonan, I write for the Sharpet Express and Acme Packing Company. Um, sitting next to me is... Hello, I'm J.R. Radcliffe, training sports reporter for the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel, and I am once again holding a brandy old-fashioned suite made by one and only Paul Noonan, and I am very, very grateful. <laughs> Almost done with it now, though. We we spent we too much to start, time pregaming. We're we did. Now. We need to start making doubles too. And mm-hmm. um, and oh, I am Matt, but you can call me Matub. I sometimes write for Acme Packing Company, but mostly post on Twitter and start oh, yeah. some controversies. So real real quick before we get started in earnest this week, Matt Matt had like a good meme internet week in terms of being like semi famous. Um, <laughs> I feel like you just kept getting like um, retweeted sort of up the Twitter ladder of of famous people um all week long man i missed this tell me about, so, all about this so i um after after aaron jones like it was literally announced that morning that aaron jones was getting fined ten thousand dollars for waving at byron jones last um, game not the most recent game right but yeah everybody remembers Huge it was, all, Travis it was awesome by the way yeah <laughs> not that play minutes. is worth ten thousand dollars it is not fair that somebody at his salary structure should have to pay that much for something so glorious but yes continue. correct so uh, not three minutes after that, I had a promoted tweet in my timeline of the NFL glorifying him waving at Byron Jones. So I quote tweeted that and said, um, basically, NFL finds Aaron Jones for doing this. Also, the NFL glorifies him doing it and profits off of it. And that tweet went bananas. Yep. You know, Major League Baseball's done the same thing. They, they, they do. have had issues where guys have gotten fined and then they put it in some tweet or some promotional. Yeah. Way. So Matt, you broke a million on that, right? What? Um, yeah. So I, I, um, it was over two thousand retweets, and last I checked, it was like one point two million impressions. Oh, no, I saw that tweet, but I didn't. <laughs> I, I saw it in its infancy. I had no idea. Yeah, yeah I, I didn't You're either. Famous. It was, it was nothing. And, you and, should um, be introducing a, the podcast. Screw this guy. <laughs> that's true. That and then that has I always couple, been true, but it's definitely true. I had this a couple week. tweets from this morning that both broke a hundred thousand impressions just today. This is just what you do now. Yeah, apparently. I, I, I tweet controversial, He's but meme. not actually controversial things. That people... <laughs> what were the two wins today? He's the meme smith. He's the meme um, smith. <laughs> uh, there was a... So... You can call me Meme Smith. Let's... Mm-hmm. Yeah, there we go. Well, actually, that's that's my official title with Acme Packing it Company is. is Meme Smith. <laughs> um, Huge fan. So, so uh, this morning, there was a bunch of... So I'm, I'm from Michigan originally. And so a lot of my friends are Lions fans. I'm not exaggerating here. People were so mad about the game last night that a person I have not talked to in 10 years posted on my Facebook wall to talk shit. <laughs> wow. 
Like, it was inspiring. It really got under their skin. I think just yeah, it was too. it was bad. Um, so I saw the screenshot going around of Alan Lazard's knee being down right before he got to the end zone, and people were like, like, See, oh man, look at all the touchdown. these touchdown. Yeah, yeah, they're like, look at all these other missed calls, and. So I, I made sure to go out and find a video of him getting into the end zone, showing that he didn't have possession and wasn't down until he was across. Because the ball was still moving before he was across the plane. Right. Yeah, I thought that turned into a really sensible conversation about it. Would that have been a catch if that had been the sideline instead of the goal line? And ultimately, maybe and not. Was, literally, there are 100 people in my mentions. One person said that. Huh. It well, was insane. That's about and that's so, that's the Twitter proper Twitter ratio for intelligent right. conversation. <laughs> One out of 100 comments. Yeah. That's about right. <laughs> I love how you had to say that right as I'm taking a drink. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, so I, I posted that video and said, "said Look, guys, like you are more than rightful to be angry about certain things." And I said, "But don't post screenshots because screenshots are a terrible way to look at a football play." That's right. And then I followed that with a tweet of a screenshot of Bakhtiari actually getting a hand, hand to the it. face, yeah, nice. yes. and said, "Look, we got screenshots too." And and what I meant by that was screenshots are dumb. Yes, not not. Well, I'm sure yeah. that's how it was taken of by course. Lions fans. <laughs> Twitter and Twitter people are looking at nuance. Yeah. I've so what ended up happening the was the whole thread. Exactly. So what ended up happening was people retweeting the second half of the thread mm-hmm. out of context <laughs> to support the oh the plays weren't ticky tacky or whatever. And so both tweets ended up getting pretty big, and a couple national guys with a few hundred thousand followers retweeted them. Gottlieb and they just retweeted went, it. So yeah. Gottlieb, you are such a big deal. <laughs> I'm so proud of you. Um, but so then people people come to my Twitter, and my pinned tweet says, "Life is short. Poop at work." Oh, jeez, <laughs> of course it does. Oh my god. <laughs> because I feel like that's the most on brand representation you are pretty, yes you are the king of scatological it pretty much humor. does encapsulate you yes very well oh my gosh it, it's it's humorous it's practical and it's, it's sound advice mm-hmm. it's very matub so, <laughs> so you ever hear the the poem the boss makes a dollar and i make a dime that's why i poop I'm good on with company me. time mm. okay <laughs> i would have been good it's i would have been good poetry. not not finishing the all poem. right so mo- moving on to actual football all these two chug their drinks down um that's right so, uh, actually, I want to start with a question to lead us into the game, because we got a sarcastic question from Tim Braun, which was, um, should we feel bad about the refs handing the Packers the win last night? I think that's actually a good question. And, it is, he, and then he put a sarcasm um, hashtag after that. But the, the fact of the matter is, the refs were awful in that game. And yeah, it went both ways a little bit, like back and forth a little bit. The Packers had some calls go their way, but mostly the Lions had calls go against them. Uh, in particular, on third down, there were a whole bunch of third down penalties that were questionable. That review, even though I thought um, the the Carryon Johnson uh, catch fumble, whatever, was close, I didn't think they'd overturn it because it was close. So I think the Lions have, are justifiable in being salty about this, and you should feel kind of cheated because when you when you win like that, like people, uh, yes, it's a win; it counts. Nobody will remember in three months, except. I kind of do remember these. Like I remember the fail Mary. That obviously is the biggest one of all time. But I don't consider that a Seahawk win. Like I consider it a Seahawk loss and a Packer win. And if a Seahawk fan tries to talk to me about it, I'll be mad about it and not acknowledge that they won the game. I, I kind of think Lions fans can feel that way about this. So it kind of steals a little bit of the the joy of winning when you win because of bad calls. And like I would have rather them, you know, 
gotten stopped, kicked a field goal, and then stopped the Lions from going fifty, you know, sixty yards for a potential game-winning field goal. Um, just feelings-wise, like I'm glad they win and they're in first place and stuff. But the refs were a crap, and it's bad when you have to talk about the refs. So. so, do you know? Do you know the length of the Lions' longest drive in the second half? I know it wasn't long, like thirty-six yards. Thirty-six, actually, exactly thirty-six. Hey, all right. Um, <laughs> I know so, it wasn't. A, I know all the stats by heart, but I'm going to play it off like I don't. <laughs> what, what did he so, quote last week? He knew exactly how long some pass was. It was how many interceptions the Packers had, had in 2017 Tom or in 2010. Yeah, incredible. No, that was that was Paul knew that. I didn't no, know. No, that. that's what I'm saying. Like oh, okay. he, he was playing it off like I don't know, 36 yards. Let me just pull a number out of the hat. <laughs> and this, then this week I remembered by by heart the stat that I remembered last week. Yes, that's oh, right. There you go. He's so, got it all. Yes, many layers. So if let's let's pretend. The the second hands to the face, the one that was the most questionable, never happened. Uh-huh. Mason Crosby has to kick a 34 yard field goal, which is and still the Lions, a gimme. Which I'm not gonna say is a gimme, but money Mason. It's like a it's like a 90 percent field goal. Yeah. So Mason Crosby has to kick a 34 yard field goal, and then the Lions have to drive with no timeouts in 50 seconds, when they haven't moved more than 30 yards in the last half of football. Why would it be 50 seconds? I thought it was more like 130. It um, was. No, I think oh, that's the third down. I think JR is right. I, I believe um, had Jamal Williams scored, they would have had the ball with fifty. I think if they kick the field goal, they have more than that. I guess we should double check that. Yeah, I'm pretty sure the check. penalty occurs at one thirty, and they can stop the clock at that point. I think. I think that's their third time. Eh, maybe right, not. but they, then, but the they. I don't think they had another timeout. Yeah, that, you might be right. It might be that the timeout was 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 gone to play before because obviously they wouldn't have used the timeout there and. Yeah, and and I know they're out of timeouts at that yeah. point, so you're right. In any case, it wasn't so much. I don't think they were going to run out of time, even with 50 seconds left. But the Packers had been stopping them um, mm-hmm. pre- pretty reliably. So, um, you know, Prater's good at kicking long field goals. Um, there's that, um, but there's a good chance the Packers still would have stopped them from scoring. And yeah. I would rather have seen that ending to the game. I, yeah, for me, it's it's Prater. I mean, he could kick. They would have lined him up at 65 or something. I mean. Probably wouldn't yeah, have made he, that, but they would have. They would have tried. He's capable. He of, might have set an NFL record. Like he could have. I mean, it's it's seriously not out of the realm of possibility. So that that is why when Mason Crosby kicked the twenty three yarder through, and I, I wasn't I wasn't fired up. I was. I mean, first of all, I, I expected it to go through, but I wasn't excited about it. It just it it's. I, I was with you, Paul. I was kind of like that. Kind of sucked. That was not. Mm-hmm. Uh, that did not feel like an authentic walk off victory. So it's funny. Um, back during the fail Mary. I was very, very close friends with a Seahawk fan who was actually at the game. And he, for the next, for the rest of the season, actually, uh, swore up and down. It was a legitimate win. Like, even when the refs got paid because that call was so bad, he still swore up and down. Now, today, he'll tell you that it felt cheap or whatever, but he was putting on a front. <clears throat> yeah, I don't feel like doing that. I don't. I don't rub this victory in people's faces. I work with six Lions fans, and I did not <laughs> talk crap to a single one of them. And so. the difference it needs to be pointed out: the difference between this and the fail Mary is the fail Mary is truly the tipping point between win or loss. Though, so if if it is adjudicated correctly, the Packers win. Incorrectly, the Seahawks. Win. Right. In this case, and in almost every other case, you could still argue safely, and we've seen a lot of that today in the aftermath. Uh, well, the Packers probably could, were going to win anyway. I mean, they, they almost certainly would have gotten the field goal. They they had done so well on defense. I mean, all this stuff. And and, the, and yes, the Lions kicked five field goals, and they didn't. Uh, they they played it super safe, and there were all these things that cost them. Like you could you could have gotten away with that penalty 
not happening, and it still wouldn't have changed the outcome of the game. Yep. There's so much luck that goes into any given football game, and while you can point to the penalty luck, and that's what it is. Like A lot of it's people luck, like to yeah. blame conspiracy for the Packers getting calls. That, By the way, truthfully, the Packers have gotten calls this year um, in the aggregates. There's a site that tracks that, and they have more um, yards for them this year than any others, but that that's not always true. Um, it's not a consistent stat. That's just luck, and the Packers had so much bad luck in this game as well. Um, it wasn't ref-related, but the ball bouncing off Darius Shepard's face directly into the hands of a Lion defender Incredible. is just just terrible luck. I mean, that was, ball falls. But that was amazing. It hit him straight between just the Just right eyes. in the grill, yeah. Um, <laughs> That's a bad pass, a bad reception. You probably should have gone into the concussion luck. protocol after that play, to be honest. <laughs> like Anything he, to get him off the roster. <laughs> pretty hard. I'm surprised he's still on the roster today. I, I suppose for there's no receivers, yeah, so that's probably that's why. But. That was a, about as bad a game as you can have. No, but guys, remember there was a, there was a person on Twitter who said that they have was it lots of good receivers or plenty of good receivers? What was the exact <laughs> exact wording? I need names, man. Give me names was, of these allegedly good receivers. They they have they have lots of good wide receivers. Mm-hmm. That's that was the exact quote. Yeah, yeah, we've all had that fight. Have they traded for Emmanuel Sanders yet? No, it's going to cost. But by the way, um, have looked it up that the play. Where the last hands to the face penalty happened was an incomplete pass to Jay Kumaro stopping the clock at 1.45. So okay. um, the Lions would have had plenty of time. Um, with I thought ball. it was a sack. No, that's the other one. That was the first one. Nope, looking at it right now. Third and four, okay. pass incomplete, deep left so intended for Kumaro. It's, you guys reminded me, I gotta, I'm got i going to name drop Peter Bukowski again. Uh, last night he tweeted, if it feels like the Packers stole this game, but they won the first down battle 22-13. to 13, Yep. They, they won in yardage, they won, they yardage. won in yards per play, yep. they won passing, rushing, time of possession, sacks, and QB hits. The only thing that they lost on was turnover Turnovers. differential. Yeah. So they like they did play a good game. They really did get unlucky. I, I, I crunch EPA every day after the game. Um, the two Darius Shepard plays, the conspicuous ones, the punt muff where he didn't call for a fair catch for who knows why, and, and the interception at the end zone, which is partially Rogers' fault, but mostly his fault. Um, cost them 12 points of EPA, which is in just an insane amount. I mean, those were huge flipping plays by a fourth-string receiver who probably won't see the field very much going forward. Um, that Those plays probably shouldn't have happened, and the Packers probably should have won this going away, um, refs notwithstanding. So I, That's something to feel better about, but still, like I no, hate talking about the refs. Just hate it. So let's talk more about the refs. Yeah, um, let's. <laughs> my my <laughs> big-picture question here... <laughs> Uh, I read a great thing from actually from 2018 by I believe Kevin Clark of the Ringer wrote it about Mike Pereira, the introduction of Mike Pereira into our TV lives in 2010 when he was hired by Fox to be what he is now the uh, ex official sort of analyzing these calls and sort of pre you know suggesting beforehand what he thinks the call is going to be and how that's altered our viewing experience altogether because because now every network has one. There's like five former officials. I think one of them quit his job as an official to become this <laughs> this this job you know get this job at one of the networks and it has altered our experience and I, I'm trying desperately to remember what it was like to watch football in 2008 and earlier 2009 whatever um, I, I don't I don't remember feeling like the officiating was this bad I, I, I'm sympathetic toward the viewpoint that the, the officiating is just as bad as it's always been except the rules are more convoluted and the replays are more you know granular and we have these guys who are telling us what to expect what not to expect so when it goes the opposite direction, we kind of freak out about that. I, I don't know how you have interpreted You've probably paid attention to this longer than I have. 
uh, on the question of if officiating has gotten markedly worse. Is it is that is there something behind that or is it just our viewing experience? Honest to God, is just different than it was seven, eight years ago. Uh, um, I, I think the the viewing experience makes a big difference. Um, I mean, we're old enough to remember watching football on cathode ray tube TVs, not HD TVs. There, there um, was a time when they didn't even have the score on the screen. It was incredible. Yeah, and <laughs> I, I mean, at that time, there was replay for a time during that period of football, but you know, you couldn't actually tell if a guy stepped out of bounds on those displays. Like it was too fuzzy. It was impossible. So even objective calls were impossible to actually tell on a granular level. Um, so there was always some, you know benefit of the doubt that you could give officials because you couldn't ever conclusively say yourself. Uh, I mean, we, we have the famous Don Mikowski game where is he over the line or not? And we, I, we really don't know. No, no one has any idea. Based uh, on the evidence, there's yes, no way to there, know. There's literally no way to tell. Um, the camera is far away. It's blurry as all get out. And even if it wasn't, you'd still be dealing with angles and stuff. So uh, it was just a harder game to watch. Uh, when HD came around, you know, you get those crisp lines on the sideline, uh, on the goal line people start analyzing it more. And so I think there's some other things. I think refing has gotten worse, mainly because the rule book's gotten so much worse. Um, there's so much more just interpret... There's so much more subjective calls. Um, pass interference is is more highly regulated than it used to be. Um, there are you know ways you can hit and not hit people that didn't used to exist. Certain blocking styles aren't allowed anymore. Certain cut blocks. There's just a lot to look for on every play. And... I really think like points of emphasis get into refs' heads and they kind of ignore some other things when that happens. I just think there's only so much you can pay attention to on that field. Um, the other thing that's really gotten uh, to the refs lately, this is starting to change a little bit, but the ref pool in the NFL is really old. Um, a lot of these guys have been around forever, and we've had some retirements recently. Went, like Hockley's hung it up recently. Some of these guys have left for the network. But uh, um, you know they're part-time guys, and a lot of them are getting up there. And it, it's... It's harder to pay attention to 10 things at once when you're, you know, 70 than it is when you're 40. It just is like same with lots of ages and that hurts too. So um, I, I think it's a, a lot of things. I, I blame mostly the rule changes. I, I think there's just so much that these guys have to pay attention to and they get scrutinized so much more because the cameras are so much better. I doubt it's any worse. They just have you know, less cover. It's, it's funny the difference that we've had in uh, football viewing in our formative years because I grew up during the uh, mid to late Favre era when I like could actually care about football, and my formative years were during the edgy football. So like when they used to put Pack and Vikes in the <laughs> in the score, and Dennis Leary was actually in the booth. Dennis, or not Dennis Leary. Dennis Miller. Uh, Dennis Miller. What the yeah. hell? Miller. Dennis. Uh, Miller. And Dennis Miller. Yeah, and so. So like like the he did what era, that's that's what I grew up on. John Madden when he was kind of getting cartoony and yeah. the Chris yeah, Berman and, things and on NFL Countdown. Chris Berman and Pat Summerall was names. Painf- <laughs> Summerall was like painfully drunk and just could not handle Madden. <laughs> I shit. love drunk Summerall. <laughs> <It was good. laughs> so to the that's, ten that's, to the five touchdown. Emmett so Smith. so that's the the viewing experience that I grew up with. So like when when I started caring about football was during the replay era. Like when I learned enough about football to like, I, like I mentioned, like reading, take your eye off the ball. Um, all I know is the replay era, like as yeah. a, as an informed fan. So I, I truly have no frame of reference for the CRT era of TV because that was when I was a casual <laughs> fan and I didn't like, I, I watched 
obviously in the CRT era, but like, like I, I didn't have enough knowledge to care, I guess. Does that make yeah, sense? It makes sense. Totally. Um, it, the other thing, I think the, the reps in the booth have made us all into lawyers about football. Like it's all anybody thinks about when a play concludes is like, was there a rule broken? Fight. Was this correctly adjudicated? Like, well, and if there's a throw down field and a guy breaks it up, it's always a four to five second waiting period in your mind. There was a, was a really flag? bad one in the Packer game where yeah. one of the one of the terrible announcers, by the way, uh, like <laughs> a Packer had a clean play and he was like, and there are no flags. Yeah, yeah everyone was <laughs> like, oh, didn't he say flag first? I couldn't hear it very well at that moment. That was Joe Testator. I thought he I thought some people on social media, I thought were saying flag nowhere to be found or something. That like was that. it. It was flag nowhere to mm-hmm. be found. That's uh, that's tough. Yes, and the announcing is another whole separate can of worms. Yeah, the I the rule book is a toothpaste tube situation. Like they're not going back. They're not going to simplify the rule book. So I wonder, is there a solution here? I don't think there is. I think it just sucks. Uh, um, it just sucks. They they probably won't. I think there's some things you could simplify. Like I think there are some rules that are kind of past their prime, especially involving like blocking downfield and letting guys fire off the line. Um, I, I think you could simplify a lot of things just by making holding a little simpler and letting linemen do a little bit more. Oh, yeah. I, I couldn't identify holding. Because holding... Show me five pictures. I don't know. Holding is, like, the biggest, like... Uh, we pay more attention to pass interference because it's a spot fall, and it's, like, 40 yards every once in a while. But holding wrecks more drives and is just a, a totally random call. Like, it, it's, it's that's a huge penalty at 10 yards, and, like, you're usually going to punt if you get a holding penalty called on you. And, like they like everybody says, holding happens, like, every play. Like... That sucks. That's bad. Um, that means that it's up to the refs to hand out random punts during the game. And yeah, and, and we saw so that in the Packer game a call on Bakhtiari that seemed like it was I, complete yeah. nonsense. Yeah, I, I reference I reference him a lot. Brett Coleman, I honestly think is is one of the best film grinders on the internet. Subscribe to his YouTube channel. He has a a, a film film uh, a video that i always tell people to watch it's all about the packers blocking technique that everyone thinks is holding that actually technically isn't and to break it down into one sentence it's not holding if they're trying to go through the blocker it's holding if they're trying to go away from the blocker so if you grab someone on the outside of their shoulder pads and they're trying to come through you it's not holding Mm -hmm. but if they try to pull back away from you and the ref sees you with handfuls of jersey as they're pulling away that's holding yeah, it is. Which is think about having to adjudicate that um, if you're just a guy. And there are take five a drink of every time Paul says adjudicate. Yeah, this I love the word adjudicate. <laughs> I use it all the time. I write that word all the time. Um, but but there are five confrontations for the most part on a standard base offense, defense, whatever. And and you can't watch all of those. No. And even if you can, it is some holding they decide not to call because it's not clear enough, or it's how they've decided to officiate the game. So yeah. in in my opinion. The the there is a simple fix for all of this, and it's not cheap. Hire it is more te- officials. No, okay. it is technology. Well, okay, but for subjective calls, what does that mean? For okay, so I'm not saying necessarily for subjective calls. I guess I would say for for um for ball position for yeah, did okay. it cross the plane? I agree with like, that. Like we, we you can to... easily you you can get accurate to a millimeter positioning of anything anywhere in the world. Why not? put some RFID locators in a ball and put some 
on all the it is on, like a grid it's ridiculous we still measure things with with the chains that is yes. that is correct and like act like it's some exact science which yeah, is also I, hilarious i've been on a lot it's, of sidelines for high school football games and it, that is the most inexact it's science. like a ceremony of ball positioning <laughs> like what a great they way will, to put it they will now place the ball <laughs> at the end of the ceremonial chain and then they bring the chains out yeah. onto the field and stretch it and it's like if it oh, is that short, millimeter if it is short then you are a witch <laughs> <laughs> if the ball weighs the same as a duck exactly <laughs> <laughs> so yeah like so at least at least eliminate part of it right like so if, if the ref doesn't ever have to pay attention to the position of the ball if they can if the seven refs on the field can watch the 22 players instead of watching the 22 players and the ball i think it might help yeah hmm. that's fair uh, like that is a good point if they didn't have to concentrate on certain parts of it they could concentrate on other parts of it. That makes sense. I feel like we're going to get into a human element discussion at some point, which Whatever. drives Robo- me nuts. Robot umps it. now. Bring us I, the I robo just, umps. So um, the AFL tried the Skycam ref, and it worked pretty well. I don't know if, if you guys watched the AFL at all when it was existence for 10 minutes. Nope, not at all. Not even a little. Um, they had a They had a Skycam ref. They had a guy in a booth who if he saw a blatant and flagrant penalty, he would call down and say, hey, there was a penalty on so-and-so. Do you know what would have made that better? What's that? If the sky cam was on the... Was it was it actually the spider cam like they have in the NFL? Was, was it <laughs> I mean, they have, no, no, no. they have a spider cam, yeah. So it wasn't like... No, no, I want, I, wanted to, I want it to be the spider cam and the spider cam <laughs> to have a flag on the side of it that it can drop onto the field. Didn't some guy, didn't he play for the Browns? Some guy went blind because he got hit with a flag? Yeah, wasn't it? Shoot. Offensive lineman. I want to say like Orlando Jones. Oh, that that's a, it. It is Orlando really? Jones. Yeah. No way. No, wait, wait. That's an actor. You're right. That's an actor. Shoot. Um, Orlando, Orlando Brown. Orlando, it could be so Orlando I was Brown. thinking Jerome Brown, but he was an See, eagle who died. And I'm thinking and... Brown. Yeah. So uh, a, a dude took a flag to one of his eyes, and he's blind in that eye. And he got, a, so, I think, a penalty for being upset about it in the aftermath. But then I was like, no, no. Yes, he did. He's now blind so, in one eye. Which so I I don't knew? think that we should we should have like pneumatic beanbag shotgun shooting <laughs> flags down from I the sky. I completely disagree. I think we absolutely should. I don't care about the consequences. <laughs> um, so I, I mentioned this last week on the podcast on this podcast about how I get one of my pet peeves is seeing people saying how they this is a joke league because of the officiating and they're never going to watch again. And I think this this game is a good example of why I think that rings so hollow because. Half the fans still come away feeling good about it because they won the game. Like, yeah, everyone on the Packers side, not everyone, but most acknowledge some bad calls were made that enabled the Packers to win that game. But Packer fans aren't going to be like, I'm not watching next week. My 5-1 and one team, I, they, they didn't deserve to win or whatever. I'm, I'm not watching because of the officials. We're, the officiating is never going to be as bad because it is so bad, and it slows the game down, and they're throwing more flags than they ever have before. It's not. It, it can't even maybe get worse, and it's pe- people are not turning away from the NFL. Uh, yeah. I the one thing where I think my, that they could get hurt on is if it becomes a, a very flippable event. Like right now, when you're watching the football NFL on Sunday, you flip to a different football game if you are bored by a football game. Like Sunday Ticket saves a lot of that, um, and just having multiple games on multiple channels saves a lot of that. But if you're, in, I, I could see it starting to wane a little bit on Thursday and Monday night, um, just in terms of being boring enough that you go away and don't come back at some point. Like. There's other stuff on Thursday night. There's I don't know what I don't watch much TV. But like I know I know from my Twitter feed that there's wrestling on Monday night, and I know that people flip between football and wrestling. And 
if the football's boring enough, they're not going to come back. Like that, I could see that happening slowly over time. It does seem like there have been some high-profile games on Sunday night or Monday night or Thursday where people have had these comments like, yeah. this is a joke, too this many is a joke. I'm out. I'm going to go watch. There was a soccer game the other day. I know that some people tuned up. I know that's a very small minority of people who did that. <laughs> but uh, it still, you know, it's it's not unassailable that it could become such a bad product that other shows start to steal from it. It's not happening yet. They still get great ratings. Um, but the product gets worse and worse all the time. I mean... That game last night was painful to watch. It was so many flags. Just sucked. Um, like like I said, I'm happy they won, but it was a just a bad viewing experience. Uh, we could talk about the good the good parts of the game, I guess. I, I could get into that. Good. Alien what? Lizard. Let's Let's talk go. Alien Lizard. Okay. You've been banging the drum for Alan Lazard for quite some time. He's a big dude. Mm-hmm. He has great tape at Iowa State. Yep. I don't understand. You guys know all about, like, the different scoring mechanisms and and why the Packers value certain things, but like, how is it that he's just now getting an opportunity? What did he have to do differently to get? To, I mean, clearly the guy can play, and now you start to dream about. Well, Devontae's back healthy, and they do trade for somebody, and Alan Lazard is your number three, and Marcus <laughs> Aldis Scantling is your number four. Like suddenly, it sounds like a receiving core again. I mean, this is a big deal. Yeah, um, I, I don't like to. You know, nobody likes to overreact to like one one game samples, but. That I was have a, no problem doing. That. Yeah, except Jr. does. But that was a good one game sample. Like all the comments from Rodgers afterwards. Like he came back and he was like, "I want the ball in this spot on the next one." And then Rodgers went right back to him. Like very good. He like really seemed to take charge and like demand the ball and came up just huge on that last drive. Like the touchdown was one thing that Rodgers dropped on that dime, but he was running great routes uh, at the end of that game. Like coming back for like twelve yards and picking up first downs. He was like a number one receiver out there. Uh, they have so many guys who've been terrible at that. Like, Geronimo Allison hasn't ha- had a route that good all all season. Like, it's ridiculous. Sidebar, Geronimo Allison. I looked up his drops stats today. He's oh, man. He's for two official drops. That's ridiculous. For the season. No he way. had, like, two in that game. No <laughs> he had two, like, on the first drive. Yeah. I don't understand how that's calculated. Drops. So, uh, one of the reasons, like, I, I know I'm at the advanced stat drum banger, but... A lot of the this, this, the subjective counting is bad, and okay. drops is very bad. Okay. So there was one that I would consider a drop, um, and I tweeted, please stop throwing the ball at Geronimo Allison after that drop. I immediately had six Packer fans in my mention saying, that was pass interference. What are you talking about? It hit him in the hands. Like It literally hit him right in the hands. Um, I feel like there's no world where he doesn't lead the league in drops. I don't watch everybody, he, but man. He has got to be up there in drops. He's had he's, a very bad and, season. Him and Nelson Aguilar are just going to go at it for drops. <laughs> Yep. So I, I, Lazard, like, it, it's just one of those things where there's a lot of guys who look like receivers out there, and he doesn't have a blazing forty time. He's like thirty seventh percent in forty, but when you're that big, it, it doesn't really. It's four five five. It's not exactly slow. He's fine. Um, and he was uh, good for at, reference. Jordy Nelson was a four five one. See, like, what? He, yeah, Nelson not blazing straight line speed in his combine. Um, and he, wow. So Lazard has good ex, like explosion drill scores. I know that. Um, he was like 70 plus percent on all of them. So uh, when you see a guy like that, it, it's usually just because he's raw on tape and didn't play against good competition and dominated with size. But like sometimes you can teach those guys and sometimes you can't. And that's where scouting is hard. And that's all mental. That's like when you get guys in interviews and you're trying to figure out like how teachable is this guy or how not teachable is this guy. I don't know how to do that. I don't know how to tell you to look for it. Not my area of expertise. But like that's how you scout guys like Alan Lazard, who are projects who dominated with physicality in lower conferences, and may have to learn how to actually play the position well at the next level. But so I've got 
I've got Alan Lazard's RAS score. Yep. What is his R? I actually didn't look. I was on my draftables. Not. Uh, it's nine two eight. Okay. So that's, so that's awesome. That's that's amazing. So he's yeah. got a, a five three in the forty, but he's a five seven in the ten yard split. So he's a better ten yard runner than he is a forty yard runner. Yep. Well, sure. Um, he's a big dude. That makes sense. Yeah. He uh, thirty eight inch vertical, which gives him an eight six eight. A uh, ten foot. This is on a ten broad. foot scale, by the way, guys. Just so you know. Um, um, uh, ten foot. 10 foot two inch broad which is seven flat yeah um 17 reps in the bench which i think is one of the more impressive things um he has 32 and a half inch arms and something <laughs> that people don't realize is arm length plays a big role in your bench score and with 32 inch arms that's like a a uh, a six foot even receiver who weighs 220 pounds doing 17 wouldn't be nearly as impressive as a six foot four receiver at 220 doing it yeah so i get why he hasn't had an opportunity with the packers this year you gotta you gotta acclimate i get that but the fact that that guy went undrafted it's weird see what he's capable of doing. well not only that but he got he was playing for was it jacksonville in 2018 yeah uh he was in philadelphia i thought but i'm i'm probably confusing there's so many undrafted free agents to keep played for jacksonville on their off-season squad okay and then was signed by the packers um in December 2018 off of Jaguars practice, the practice squad. Okay. How did they not find a use for him in Jacksonville? I know Jacksonville was, you know, it's not terrible, but like yeah. Jacksonville's they... got the Chark. DJ Chark. Chark's man. good, man. He's real good. Yeah. He's uh, I think second in DVOA, by the way, like his efficiency stats are off the charts. Usually those guys turn into superstars at some point. Um, but like the problem with guys like Lazard is they're good at their, they're what they are perceived as bad at is hard to scout. And you got to do some actually deep digging to find these guys and put them through their paces. It's not like they're dime a dozen. That kind of athleticism is absolutely not a dime a dozen. There's a lot of guys who are drafted that can't hold a candle to Alan Lazard. Um, but it's just a matter of getting the right coaching in front of them and actually doing some player development work, kind of what like in baseball like the Astros do. But at the football level, it doesn't always happen quite so much. And um, he looks like he might actually be something. I know one game, yeah, but yeah, one game. But I already, feel, if if Devontae that, Adams can't go next week, it's the Raiders, so I bet he won't. I already feel better about it because Alan Lazard can do this. Yep, and like that, I feel like that was a more impressive performance than a lot of MVS performances, where he's you know a speedster catching bombs. That there's nothing wrong with being a speedster who catches bombs, but like uh, Lazard I mean, showed. Look at look at uh, Ted Ginn, Mike Williams. Yeah, exactly. Uh, like like those guys have roles and they last for a long time. But sure. like Lazard had five targets in that game. He caught a bomb down the sideline um, where he had to fight for it a bit. Um, he he caught, he caught four balls, right? Yeah, five four targets. balls. Uh, four balls, a touchdown, and three first downs and a three yard. I'm like seventeen snaps. Yeah, yeah, and he was getting open on guys and on all types of routes. And you don't see that from a lot of Packer receivers outside of Adams. You just don't. So, I don't know, super optimistic about him. He was great. I, I look awesome. forward to seeing him in the future. We've been touting him as, like, you know, stepping in as, in like, tight end-type role while the tight ends were all banged up and bad because he's a giant man. Um, I'm glad he got to try out at wide receiver and actually killed it, unlike everybody so, else. So, speaking of tight ends, Oh, by the I, way, I real quick. Oh, let's talk tight ends. Wait, wait, real quick, real quick. Lazard's closest muck draftable comp is Kenny Galladay. So, he was on the same <laughs> There we go. With Kenny Galladay's, quote-unquote, dinosaur arms. Yep. God, I, that's the worst haha Clint Dix quote. Dinosaur. What does dinosaur arms even mean? Usually that means tiny arms, like a T Rex. Mm-hmm. Do we Whatever. mention haha Clinton Dix on this podcast as much as we mention Andy Schaff? Yes, we do. Okay. We, not, not almost, not 
not as much, almost. Yeah. But, That's how so, I get my Andy Schaff reference. Well, out. he has a question in this week's question. Oh. So there, there are two, there are two Pre- people. Preview for later. There, there, there are two receivers who caught two balls. One person took those two balls for 17 yards, including being short on a third down conversion. The other person took those two balls for 50 yards. Who are those two people? I, I, I missed out on context here. It's uh, Jimmy Graham. <laughs> Oh <laughs> uh, no! Uh, Jake Kumaro oh, took two balls boy. for 17 yards, okay. including missing missing a third down a conversion. And the other person who caught two balls was Mercedes Lewis for 50 yards. Yeah, he, both both catches were for 25 yards. One of Mercedes Lewis is, is is as old as Tremont Williams, <laughs> and runs the 40 roughly the same as Jason Spriggs. Or yeah, Jimmy, he, he's he's almost as fast as Jimmy Graham. But not quite. <laughs> he is their best tight end, uh, which unfortunately is a low bar to clear. But uh, with Robert Tanyan injured, it's yes. pretty clear. Mercedes Lewis is a is what I would call a move tackle. So <laughs> I think what like, I've I think what I've decided about Lafleur's offense is you only need a gimmick tight end. Like Jimmy Graham, it's not just that he's bad; he doesn't really have a spot because he really is just a wide receiver because he can't do the the trickery thing of you know, pretending to block and leaking out because he sucks at blocking, so no one cares. But, like, if they... Ha- you really want the Lewis. They're, like, you don't need a good Mercedes Lewis, but any any kind of Mercedes Lewis is <laughs> going... They've got the 35-year-old yeah. version. They have the actual 35-year-old version. But any kind of tight end who is like Mercedes Lewis is going to succeed in the offense. And if he can happen to run, he's going to succeed a lot. So there's a there's a play that always comes to mind when we talk about that, and it is against the Vikings during the McCarthy era when there were two of those tight ends on the field at the same time, uh, Richard Rogers and Justin Perillo in his rookie year. Um, <laughs> Justin, guy. Yep. Justin Perillo was in tight and uh, Richard Rogers was in like a H back sort of blocking and he feigned a block and leaked out. And there's this amazing highlight of Aaron throwing him this like rainbow pass from the other side of the field. <laughs> and Richard Rogers doesn't have a Viking within 20 yards of him. <laughs> And it was all because Justin Perillo ran a drag and somehow someone decided to cover him. <laughs> him instead of okay. <laughs> good idea. That's funny. So oh. yeah, like like McCarthy did it. He just didn't do it often. Yeah. Yeah, the play with Jimmy Graham where he was it was a short pass over the middle and you could see the first down marker. It was third and long, but he really oh, he only had to beat one guy. I know guy. exactly the one you mean. He only and had to beat one guy and, and you for a second you think he can do this. Yes. And then he's just embarrassingly dropped in an open field non competitive. And also situation. like didn't didn't even move forward at all. Like no. I was like, Oh, uh, it'll be like a race to the first down line and then like he just got stuck right where he caught the ball. Like and he didn't catch a ball in the end zone that granted I think was pretty difficult, but it's that is what he does. If he does nothing else, it's serve as a red zone target and he doesn't even do that. Did you know he played basketball? I've heard. <laughs> I've heard. Oh, and he gets paid so much money. Oh, it stings so bad watching him play. It's this so is bad. his. This is his last year. He's not a fit at all. This, the fact that the fact that he got his roster bonus this year it just befuddles me. Yeah, I, well, I don't understand why he's still here at all. Like, well, how, he, this isn't going to last all year, right? Like, they have to move on at some point. Well, I, I, well I, they'll get Sternberger. Sternberger. Yeah. Well, I think it's I think it's funny point. that we were on this podcast going, man, we're so sick of Trevor Davis. Then Trevor Davis leaves. Yeah. And the next, I, the I next reg- week, <laughs> I regret all of my Trevor Davis comments at the moment. Although, so, if Trevor Davis had played in this game, Alan Lazard might not have played in this game. Oh, absolutely. So sliding doors. Yeah, sliding doors so, indeed. So oh, they would have saved points I'm, on special teams. 
but they would have lost points on. Would they have won the game? I don't. Because Trevor Davis ain't catching that ball that Aaron Rodgers. No, probably corner. not. I don't know. They might still lose. <laughs> but where I'm going with this is, uh, trade deadline is approaching. So we're talking all this crap about Jimmy Graham. What if Jimmy Graham is gone next week and then balls out for whatever team overpaid to get him? I'm fine with that. I, I just don't care. He won't. He's <laughs> I mean, Trevor, Trevor Davis has at least done the things that we know Trevor Davis can do. He has returned punts long distances, and that's pretty much it. I, I, let's let's not oversell Trevor Davis. He In that last Raider Bear game, he had an outstanding return to set the Raiders up. But he also fumbled the ball at the one yard line. He and, did, because yeah, that's what Trevor Davis There's does. There's gonna be so much Trevor Davis content over yeah. the next week. <laughs> Can't wait. Oh God, I forgot we're playing the Raiders. Oh man, we're yep. gonna see Trevor Davis revenge game. Yep, yep. Uh-huh. Oh, he's, gonna he's try- totally gonna score Dude, a touchdown. Our going- special teams are terrible. He will also try to return a ball from four yards deep into the end zone and wind up at the four, and that'll set up something for the Packers. It's it's fine. It's fine. <laughs> Other guys have played well in this game. I speaking of me and my one game samples last week, I asked if Jair Alexander was good. Yeah. And we said yes, he is. I'm glad you answered that uh-huh. way. It appears that is the case. I I've learned that you can't trust even if a guy says all the right things and says it the like the way you'd want to hear it, you still can't trust that. I mean, it, it just there's you just have to see it to know it's real, but I was very comforted when Jair Alexander said that was a really humbling game for me. I basically he said I sucked and I know I can be better and I'm going to have to get better. And uh, and then he went out and had had this game yeah. where I thought Which it was, was fantastic, just dominant. Like, he was incredible. Uh, I, I I had some preseason or preseason pregame projections on what I thought would happen, which I was wrong about almost entirely. Yeah, you said Carryon Johnson would be the man, right? Well, Among other so things. So Carryon Johnson might suck because you gotta you should be able to run against the Packers. Everybody else has. They didn't. Yeah, we we talked about I how they. Know. Did how you they... guys see how many block sheds Dean Lowry had? He, he was, was an, good. So Dean Lowry, Dean Lowry was out, just outstanding. They paid the right guy. I can't believe they it. did. They got that right too. Yeah. Like there were there were times when I thought Carrion was going to make the edge, and then Dean just teleported through his blocker. It was amazing. That's yeah. the most I've seen a single defense. Like you don't even see Kenny Clark do that much. I mean, you know, you know he's there, but. Dean Lowry was like in the frame all the time. He was. He was very active. Kenny's had kind of a rough season. It's actually. been tough. Yeah. So, do you know who is a, a very comparable athletic? Uh, com- I get athletic comparison to Dean Lowry is JJ Watt. Oh, really? What? Yeah. Is that on? Yeah. Um. So Zach Cruz of the Packer Wire, he and I for the last couple of years have been referring to Dean Lowry as Baby Watt for for quite a while. You know, they already it's, have it's a couple a, Baby Watts. Is that on his mock draftables comp or is that just made up by you guys? It's it's he's he's like he's like um I am looking I, right I, now. So I did the math one time. He's like JJ Watt minus 7% in all metrics. <laughs> that seems like a lot. Yeah, is that not a lot? Anyway, but by the way, so I I was wrong about I thought that Marvin Jones would have a good game. And the reason I thought that is because I thought Kevin King would be on him and Jair would be on Kenny Galladay who's their number one target and leads the team in receptions. Um, that's not what happened. I'm and I'm glad Patton did what he did because without Savage in the back, Jones is basically just a deep threat, and that's what he's going to run all game. And you want to shut that down. Now Galladay had his moments, obviously, yeah, and King got toasted a little bit, but not too bad. He actually rallied in the mm-hmm. latter half and was okay. But Alexander was outstanding. He, like Marvin Jones did absolutely jack squat. Um, Alexander was back to form and was super awesome so good good job by the defense all around and took just bad position the whole game um, i can't believe how much they shut down the lions in the second half i you know they had so many chances the lions did to really put a dagger into the packers yep they really did the bounce off the helmet like how do they not score there how do they not score off either one of darius shepherd's boo-boos that's incredible i mean they kick field goals both times but 
How do they not get it in the end zone? They didn't even they, man, they just couldn't do anything against the Packers. Do, do, do you know who Dean Lowry is? Number one Uh-oh. draftable count. I see that name. Thumb Jones. It is. It is Dayton Jones. <laughs> oh, you guys are. To be fair, though, his Dayton comparison, if I recall correctly, is pretty low. Um, seventy-two point five. Also, um, Dean Lowry's mock draftable spider chart is like a perfect Fibonacci sequence, like spiral Ooh. into the middle, which is kind of <laughs> crazy. You got You got to love a good Fibonacci sequence. <laughs> also, Dean, Dean's RAS is uh, eight. Point oh three, pretty good. Okay. Um, he's pretty slow. He runs a four eight seven, uh, but everything else he's elite at. Yeah. He's huge, and he's got a decent broad, decent shuttle, decent three cone. I mean, to be two hundred ninety six pounds and run a seven two six three cone, it's pretty crazy. Yep. Can we get both Fibonacci and adjudicate into the description of this podcast yes, episode? We'll put, <laughs> yes, we'll put both please. of those things in. Um, we should talk about how smart Jamal Williams is. Oh my goodness! Because I love it when players oh. do that and think like if I was on a football field and had adrenaline like crazy going through me and um, had to make a play like that, I would forget to do it and just run into the end zone. There is a compelling case, I think, for him to take the points, but you could tell me otherwise. I, I don't. I, I agreed with it in the moment, and obviously the outcome tells you it was the right call. But do you think? Uh, I mean, is there any second? Second guessing there? I think that's the right call. And that's so there's a lot that can go wrong on field goals, but that's an extra point. That's an old timey extra point. That is a 99% extra point. But you could take the points now and know that they still need a touchdown, or you can, yes, you can move the clock down, but you still have to have that play go right. This play is going right. We are going into the end zone. This is the play where if he scores, they have a five-point lead. Uh, they have at most a six-point lead if they go for two. I I don't think there's any point in doing that. Let's call it a five-point lead. And Detroit has the ball with 50 seconds left and no timeouts. What do you think the odds are of them scoring a touchdown with 50 seconds left and no timeouts? Um, keep in mind, you got Packer special teams. You got um, some things that can go wrong. But even if they start at the 25, like what do you think the odds are? Just what would you bet if the lines were up? I would say 7%. 7%. Is okay. that right? I oh. actually don't know. Oh, okay. I'm asking just subjectively what you would wager on in that scenario. Collective shrug. I have no idea. I think it's probably higher than that, but it doesn't really matter, even if it's 7%, because the odds of Mason Crosby making that field goal as time expires is 99%. He's going to miss that 1% of the time. Okay. You convinced yeah. me. Yeah. So I think it's the right call. Like, if they blow that field goal, that's that's literally losing on a missed extra point. And if that happens, there's nothing you can do about it. Like, there are lots of things that are crazier than that that could go wrong on when mm-hmm. the other team has the ball that are higher Packers probability. Have, Packers trash special teams could have given up a kickoff return. Exactly. So I, I, I think I think it's the right play. Um, I, I know it's you worry until it's actually through the thing, through the goalpost. But I, I mean, I, I would I would put that up there with it. the time that that Randall Cobb put one of his feet out of bounds. Oh, that was so amazing. He, he could on the kickoff. Like that's just that's just intelligent heads up football that, that I never would have. I thought that was Ty Montgomery. Uh, Montgomery did it after Randall Cobb. Oh, Randall okay. Cobb yeah, Jamal Williams just had an incredible game. You know, first came back from a concussion. He gets, you know, gets a touchdown. Runs great all night on a night when Aaron Jones didn't have it necessarily. Yep. And oh, uh, the, makes the, the wheel route. Game. Oh my god. Oh man, <laughs> there were so many drop passes in this game. That, I don't know if that was the worst one because he's a running back, but he was so open you on know, that credit, play. Credit though to Aaron Rodgers, and I granted we could ogle Aaron Rodgers' amazing accomplishments, and it wouldn't. Yeah, yeah. That's nothing new to say that he's great. However, 
there were a lot, there were so many times where it was like, why does how can Aaron Rodgers feel comfortable throwing this ball at all? Aaron Jones drops things, Jake Kumro drops things, Geronimo Allison, <laughs> Jimmy Graham, uh, Darius Shepard, like all culpable if they lose this game. You, they would all be goats. And uh, and yet he felt comfortable airing it out. He threw yep. it to threw it all over the field. Good for that. I mean, it didn't take any. It took one sack. Like one just sack. a great night for him. So Rodgers has like that game was okay statistically. It should have been off the charts good. Um, so every everything stat wise is going to be bad. This is like a PFF time to shine because he had so many balls dropped. This is totally a scouting grade should be off the charts for this game. Um, and he was. Fantastic. This is like one. He's taken a good streak now of only being sacked once. And I think that's a good sign for him throwing on time and actually working in the offense because when he gets in trouble, he's standing back there forever taking sacks. It's usually his fault. He has not been taking sacks or hits. He's actually been throwing and trusting guys and they've been letting him down terribly. (laughs) But he's doing it anyway. So um, Aaron's playing great. Like, there are a bunch of stats that say he's mediocre this year and like EPA and well DPO actually kind of likes him, which uh, good for them. Um, he's been phenomenal. He's been really good. So um, I bet he starts to put up some, some Superman games in the not too distant future here. Well, I mean, we're still seeing, I mean, I, the phrase I always use is Aaron Rodgers doing Aaron Rodgers things. We still see it. Like it's, he just, yeah, it's, it's the revenge tour. Isn't what it, I thought it would be, but he's still magical when he needs to be. Sure. I was going to bring up this, uh, the one sack in my, my numbers. Yeah. I had two numbers. I, I just read ahead. No, that's okay. That's okay. Cause, cause uh, that's pretty much where we were headed. The one sack really is, I feel like, I don't know if this is an apt comparison, but to me, this reminds me for some reason of 2007 when Brett Favre was sort of, well, was in his last year with the Packers, definitely knew it was the twilight of his career. It was second year under McCarthy, and he ch- he changed. He wasn't throwing like the gunslinger anymore. He was completely under control. He had one of his best seasons with the Packers. Total renaissance. He still made big plays. That's the year that they have the bomb to Greg Jennings on Monday Night Football against Denver in overtime to win it, 82 yards or whatever that against was. Against Cutler. That game was great. Yes, yeah. So he he still made plays, but he was just he wasn't slinging interceptions, and the irony being, of course, we know that season ends on a bad interception in the NFC Championship game, but I feel like Aaron Rodgers has shifted a little bit that under Matt LaFleur. He is willing to throw it to guys that maybe he wouldn't have, you know, quote-unquote trusted in years past. He does, you know, seeing him avoid sacks in a game where he had no good receiving options, mm-hmm. no trustworthy receiving mm-hmm. options, is staggering to me because I feel like last year he would have taken four of them, four or five sacks, and he just he just was, yep. like you said, everything was on time. It looks great right now. Also, much better off play action and much more over-the-middle passing. Um, it's getting guys murdered every once in a while, but yeah. there's way more of it. <laughs> R.I.P. Geronimo Allison. Yeah. Uh, so did you guys, is it just me or the, so the play that got Geronimo hurt, was that the exact same play to Mercedes? I swear it was the same route. It was a like a like a seam uh, corner. Yeah, going opposite directions, hard to kind of. Hmm. No, I think I think it was the same direction too, I, wasn't I, it? I do not know. I didn't watch the route after. Because I, I it, it would have been. been. Yes, it would have been. Okay. I, I swear it was a it was a seam corner on both off a of play action. Like I, it could have been the same. Like I don't know. It just it felt like it was the same play twice. I would have to verify. Maybe that, that was a bad call on De- the Detroit got burned it was. as well. He was not trying to hurt him there. That was just tough luck yeah it was and that was so looked terrible in another, real time but and really I helped had, the packers on yeah it that did drive. yeah one of my more successful tweets about about that night was that play specifically i said look in real time it looked awful throwing the flag was the right thing 
if Walker gets fined, we can all riot because he didn't do it on purpose. There was no intent, Mm -hmm. but a head snapped back and a guy was knocked unconscious. Yeah. Like, I don't blame the ref for throwing the flag. Which, he was knocked unconscious. That's indisputable, right? Yeah, he was out. And he, then he there was it. a yeah. concussion evaluation that lasted for like two quarters. What is there <laughs> to evaluate? My kid had a concussion. He has had no symptoms since, but because he was throwing up in the aftermath of hitting his head, he definitely had a concussion. Yes. If you get knocked out, you, it is black and white. The sign you have is a that concussion. you got knocked out. That's yes. the symptom. That symptom. Is the symptom. Uh, you are unconscious because your brain is destroyed. What were they evaluating? What was the like I, secret there? Did he not get knocked out? It's, That's the only thing I can think. It's process for cover. They they go through the same thing every yeah. time with every person. And yeah, but well, that was like the, was oh my god, was it the Steelers game when their their quarterback got hit by Bud Dupree? No, Bud Dupree hit. It was Steelers against um, I think it was the Dolphins, and their their quarterback went to the ground doing the Superman pose. No, and they were like, that was yeah. wait, is this the Steelers guy, Mason uh, Mason Rudolph? No, no. No, so this, Mason Rudolph also recently got it. Yeah, he's concussed. Oh man, um, was he concussed? Yeah. But it was it was the it was a dolphin. He got hit by Bud Dupree in the helmet. Oh, okay. And he he went to the ground doing the Superman pose, the fencing. Yeah, pose. that's like the, the like you can diagnose a concussion the moment it happens if someone does this pose. <laughs> yep. he, he hit the ground doing that. Okay. And they were like, he might have a concussion. Uh-huh. Evaluating him, and you're like, no, like that was fencing position. That's like day one stuff. Yeah. Yeah. There's no evaluation. They just, it's I, just the word. It's not that big a deal if yeah. the TV, like, is. is they're they're is, just adjudicating. Yeah. They're just adjudicating. <laughs> you know, it could be that That's, on the sideline, the doctors were like, yep, concussion. Let's be done with him. I mean, they did take him to the locker room. I, I, maybe it was just not announced, and that's why we didn't see it. But yeah. I, I still, it's. Still feels like to me the gospel of concussion is not quite universal, and they're still like, well, maybe we'll see Geronimo Allison again. Like, no, 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 he got knocked out. the The day's over. Like, hopefully he's back next week, yep. three weeks from now. Hopefully I, he can hold his kids again. Like, that's a seriously bad absolutely. situation. I'm I'm still surprised Jamal Williams was back as soon as he was for, and, yeah, and played absolutely. in this game. I didn't expect him to suit up for this game. Is this then... his first? Was that Jamal's first documented concussion? I I, I do not know. I mean, that's. You you can't get to this point in the league without having one, yeah. Right? No, I mean, definitely but, not. Everybody's got them. They say that concussions get worse the more you have. Yeah. So if if it was one of his one of his earlier first second ones, maybe he did recover that quickly. Yeah. So the other number related to sacks is uh, involves Preston Smith, who's up to seven sacks now. He is a monster. That doesn't matter what they paid him; they didn't pay enough. The <laughs> Packers got very lucky. I'm curious though, what you guys think about sacks because to me. The guy who ends up hitting the quarterback isn't always the guy who created the sack. Obviously, there are cases where it is. Guys who get a lot of sacks are pretty much elite pass rushers most of the time, so there's correlation. But, you know, sometimes it's because the coverage is good. Sometimes it's because the pocket collapsed and the quarterback moved to his right and there was the guy to get him. So I'm wondering if you think of this is, of course, a baseball reference. Is this the RBI's stat? Where other guys set you up, and all you got to do is you know come through as you normally would, and you wind up with the statistic. Or if you see guys, you know, do you consider the top five guys in sacks to be maybe five of the ten best pass rushers in football? How do you feel about sacks? So yeah, I think RB has a good com- good comparison. Um, it is often a team stat. Um, I think you do get occasional like home runs where you drive yourself in, um, and I think Preston Smith had one of those in this game where the Lions foolishly let the play clock run down to zero. And Preston Smith just ran at zero. And so good. Just just annihilated Matthew Stafford. Um, but yeah, generally speaking, I think that's right. Um, sacks happen for a lot of reasons. 
often it is what other people are doing, drawing double teams, whatever, um, getting you a free lane that caused them. Um, I like hurries a little better for an individual stat. They're just that's a, a, the sign of guys getting consistent pressure on a quarterback, um, usually himself. But yeah, I think sacks are like the the kind of ultimate. The, the the line did something, succeeded. This guy fell on the quarterback, but yeah, he's usually not. Sometimes he's so, the guy responsible, but not always. Last year, last year, Kyler Fackrell had ten and a half sacks. Uh huh. Um, but I think it was it was a crazy number. It was like thirteen individual Packers had at least one sack. It was a lot. They generated a lot of pressure last and year. That was, on yeah. Skiing. So that was Mike Pettin, and and Fackrell just ended up being the guy. The thing <laughs> that I like the garbage man. <laughs> the thing that I like that they're doing this year is uh, I see a lot of people combining both Smiths as one stat, and so the they do Smith all, they do one press conference yeah. at all times. I think we yeah. can just count the Smiths as all one. So the the Smiths are credited with thirteen sacks so far. <laughs> Um, I love I what is, the Packers have got there. It's it's really it's so good. fascinating chemistry. It's great. So, uh, uh, who's the guy from Michigan that went to the Patriots with the long Chase hair? Winovich. Chase Winovich. Why yeah. do we always bring him up? Because of Gary. He, he had way more sacks than Rashawn Gary. He he showed up on the stats way more than Gary did. But if you watch every single one of Winovich's sacks, Gary's eating a triple team. Makes sense. Yeah. But Chase Winovich had long hair and is easy to recognize on the field, and therefore he is more interesting as a player. This is just how it is. Yep, totally. Speaking of, real quick, I, the Kevin King-TJ Watt dichotomy, or Ryan Ramchick, which I still think is the better better discussion <laughs> to have, it's, it's, I wouldn't say it's evening out per se, but like it's not looking terrible anymore. I know he had an iffy game, but Kevin King's okay. He was... He was iffy at first. He got turned around a couple times, but yeah. he definitely got his poop in the group. I think he's definitely vulnerable, like deep. Um, but if the, if he's got good safety help, he's he's pretty nails. So um, I, I don't know. Like TJ Watt's pretty good. I don't know if it's ever going to completely turn around, but King's definitely a useful player. Uh, above I average think, corner. That's all that they need. I think the addition of the Smiths makes it heavier towards Kevin King. Yeah. But I think with TJ Watt, one of the Smiths would not be in town. One well, or both. That's yeah. also sliding doors. Yep. Very good point. Very true. Mm-hmm. Very well, good. yeah. If, if the Packers drafted Barry Sanders, Ron Wolf never comes to town. <laughs> <laughs> also, all true. And King's also got to stay healthy. For like, he's been good in six games. More power to him. But you know, if he gets hurt next week, then he's back to being Kevin King. Uh, get well soon, Darnell Savage. It will help to have that safety back. Yep, that was rough. That was a little rough. They survived. Uh, are we on questions? We should get to questions. Yeah, let's right? do questions. I think we've we, we've. Uh, pretty much wrapped up our so we, we do have to mention that this is arguably our most successful question week there were a lot of questions we got a lot of questions we're probably not going to get to all the questions we'll get to as many as we can but the one we're definitely getting to is andy's hey um, andy chef <laughs> so andy chef asks one of my favorite kinds of questions which is <laughs> um what level of pro will beat which level of college um so it, Ignoring the time it would take to learn the playbook, would you rather have your pick of current wide receivers and tight ends playing this year in the Big Ten or the Packers' current group with Adams Hurt? So so we can pick anybody currently in the Big Ten. Yes. And rep- versus the versus Packers. Without Adams. Yeah. So we, we, Adams okay. does not count in this. So obviously you take the Packers if you get Adams because he's going to be the best one by far. But... The, the Packer receivers, you know, are mostly journeyman college players. Um, yeah. Well, you'd UDFAs. get Rondale Moore from Purdue, who could have been a pro last year. 
and who I don't even believe is eligible to be a pro until next year. So that's nice. Uh-huh. You, I think Iowa's got a tight end because I assume Iowa always uh, does. Of course they do. Um, there's, I feel like there's another... What's going on at Ohio State right now? Um, probably some talented players. There's probably some talented players. At least... Um, Michigan's got three receivers, all of whom could be one of those guys is going to be at least a uh, first or second round pick. I, I, I actually think Cephas is probably better than most of what the Packers have, too. Uh, okay, yeah. Um, I didn't even think of Wisconsin, to be honest. Well, uh, why don't we just put Jake Ferguson on the Packers? I mean, <laughs> it cannot be worse than what they have at tight end. Well, I don't know. Mercedes so, is fine. But. I, most people say, oh, you always take the pros. The pros are, you know, college men or boys, pro men or not. Um, I agree with that most of the time, but. The Packers are mostly young guys. Um, not like Jerron Wilson's been around for a while now, but he's a former UDFA, not that great of an athlete. Jake Rumoreau is and never will be. Um, he ain't gonna finish the season in Green Bay. No, he's not. Um, like it, MVS was not a great college player. He was okay. Um, he's really just a speed guy. I definitely go with uh, like I personally go with Big Ten here. I, yeah, me too, man. Big Ten. <laughs> yes, to I too also watch college as well. Well, I just <laughs> you you have some blue chip people available for like you have Ohio State that recruits at a super high level. You've got a few random spread around stars at other places. Um there's going to be more raw talent in the Big 10 than on the Packers roster at these positions. It's just a matter of if they're developed enough to actually be better. Um right. I think a lot of them probably are. Well, it's like the God, what was it? The uh, the resurgence of the the um, Miami team, the U two was that like a one o two when they had something like ten first round picks yeah. starting. Like at that point, yeah, you would take a positional group from college over most pro teams. Maybe not most, but a, a certain. Or, a certain or, I, I'm not sorry. Mo- yeah. Most is bad. Like, yeah. but like there, like a few bottom of the barrel. For example, yeah. the Packers with wide receivers that are made up of undrafted free agents and right. castaways. So yeah, I, I I lean college there. I I think it's it's just talent's going to win out there over yeah. size and development. So. Make a trade, fam. Yes. <laughs> let's see. So now we can go um, to non Eddie Chef questions. Um, let's see. We got a question from my name's Matt, but call me Matub. What's oh, that let's about? Re- let's do that. One. Oh yeah. Um, so uh, Matt asks, and, and thanks for listening, Matt. Um, <laughs> who, who had more yards, um, Kumaro or terrible calls by the refs? And you, the answer is terrible calls by the refs by <laughs> several orders of magnitude. Um, so I, I should. Anyone who did not follow the absolute tweet storm that I was on last night, I was several Colorado Kool Aids in. And a couple glasses of bourbon. I was I was Monday drunk and I was on a tear. So I, I but I do not apologize for what came on my timeline. It's a good it's a good night of tweeting for Matt to <laughs> It was a lot. My personal favorite uh that ended up coming true was please continue to mortar kick to this trash ass kick return and force them to return it. Well, I think you said it. It's a it's a penalty what eighty percent of the time. That's yep. that's not true, but it's it feels like it is so why not kick it short and they did that detroit knew that darius shepherd might be a weakness in this regard and they they, they forced did, the packers to make something they happen. totally did that on purpose kudos to them mm-hmm. for it and he ne- he never made the 25 yard line not once not a good night darius shepherd yes very we, all, bad. we all know this but it was bad in ways people didn't even realize yep. it wasn't just the turnovers so and jay google asked do they stick with shepherd is he replaceable as a returner i think they would have to keep him just because he knows the offense and what and they could be limited at wide receiver and 
I mean, your answer is they're limited at wide receiver. That's the only reason he'll stay. Yeah. If they were fully healthy, he would be gone today. Why don't they just let Danny Vitale return? That's another question is why is Danny Vitale missing person? Let's just let him return kicks. Why not? <laughs> I actually, I don't know why Danny Vitale is not getting a few, like some Mercedes Lewis run as as just the leak out deep threat guy. Um, I'd like to see that like three or four times a game. Man, that's too much. One or two times a game. <laughs> I mean, we saw, we saw him run the wheel successfully. We did. Do like, it again. Do it again. Yeah. Guess, you, you know who caught the wheel route? Danny. You know who didn't? Aaron, <laughs> Aaron Jones. Jones. <laughs> so I, I don't mean to undercut the initial question. Other guys on this team who could do the returning, who who are the candidates? I don't think there are. Oh, he's cut. They cut him. Oh, Tremont Williams? Tremont Williams is a punt returner. Yeah, okay. That's As but a guy, he, he could stand there and catch the ball and wave his arms in the air. That's true. <laughs> Which is better than what we had. I'm fine with night. that. Yeah. I, I, as I said on Twitter, uh, the best packeter punt returner of all time is Mike Pryor, <laughs> who, who never dropped a ball once and never returned a ball once. Yeah, that's not it. That's not a good bar to have to clear. Nope. But uh, what else we got? What other questions we got? I like I like C Hubers. Do you think? By the way, do you yeah. think they will? Because we we keep talking about receivers, receivers, yeah. receivers. Are they going to trade for a receiver? I think this might. Wouldn't they've done it already? Well, now now their hands kind of like what's Allison going to miss? That's question one. Good point. How hurt is MVS who gritted that game out? Yeah. But props to him too. He, yeah, he didn't even point that out. That game, like, that injury looked terrible when it happened. I like. They've had a few this year that'll look terrible, and then the guys come back later, and good on them for that. But we, that could have been a, a major sprain or something. And yeah. Once it swells up, like he could it, be out a while. He could be out a while. So they may have their hand forced a little bit here. It also could have been fifty cc's of Toradol. Like we don't, we don't know. Right. There's a good chance that happened. The Aaron Rodgers funny juice may have kept him in that game. Um, Mani, <laughs> Mani, woo ah. <laughs> so um. Anyway, uh, I, I like the C. Huber question because Kenny Clark's off to a little bit of a slow start. And are we sure that we should be in a hurry to give Clark a top-of-the-market deal a year and a half before his contract expires? Um, and good question. Um, I still kind of lean yes, but he's had a weird start to the season and has not been nearly as dominant as he was last year. So I don't know what's up with him, if he's got lingering injury. It, he's played a lot of snaps. Um, he's not getting rotated as much as he did last year and may not be getting a little worn out. But I, I still think he's really, really, really good. I still would like to up him sooner rather than later. But I, I have more doubt than before. I'm not smart enough to know how def- if defensive tackles can get added attention that they you know the way that edge guys could. But without Mike Daniels, I wonder, and I mean, Kenny Clark's not a secret anymore. Yep. Maybe that's part of it. Is that what's happening? That is very possible. Um, I, I I can't say I know that either. Um, I do know he's got a lighter mate in the middle than he used to have. Mm-hmm. He might yeah. be just taking on more than he used to bulk-wise. So I don't know. I would, I'm always hesitant to hand out big deals. I will say that. Um, and I, I would wait and see a little bit before I got into negotiations with him. Yeah. Still only just turned twenty four years he's, old. He's too. he's young. He's pretty. He projects well. I'm sure he's fine. But you're an NFL team. You have franchise tag too that you can always. I just bust out. I love bringing this up. Kenny, Kenny Clark is currently in discussions for his second contract, yeah. and he still can't rent a car. Yep. <laughs> I love that well, so much. I mean, Giannis is twenty four, and he's you know going to be in the super max territory within yeah. a year. So uh... we have to do Toddy Malone so we don't forget on accident. Oh, okay. Let's do it. Why? Okay. How do you say Giannis' last name? Antetokounmpo. Ant- Antetokounmpo. 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 Yeah, I, 
Antetokounmpo. So. It's that it's first accent that throws Antetokounmpo. people. Antetokounmpo. Antetokounmpo. Mm. I think it's I, I think it's natural to want to go. By to By the way, this is not the question. No. I don't know why Matt asked it. <laughs> I don't know. I just I just I've never properly learned how to say his name because I don't follow the Bucks. I don't follow the Brewers. I don't follow. I don't know what what's what's your hockey team? The Wild, the I guess. Admirals. The yeah, Milwaukee Admirals. We don't actually like any of the hockey teams that are nearby to the state. So we're National right. Predators fans here, yeah, because they're connected to the Admirals. <laughs> yep. <laughs> anyway. So, but yeah, so I don't, I don't know the superstars. Okay. Like, I know, I'm Yelich. There we go. Well, you've got Nikola Jokic in your town. That's a pretty good deal. He's pretty good. <laughs> go watch him play. <laughs> He's good. Wait, what? Yeah. So uh, let's get to let's get to Toddy's question. So Todd Malone asks a good question, which is, why aren't flea flickers used more? They're awesome. Confirmed. And th- that's a good question. Um. I think, first of all, flea flickers are awesome. Let's not understate how awesome they are. Um, every time a flea flicker happens, everybody yells, flea flicker. Um, <laughs> probably on the field, that's probably also what they yell. Um, <laughs> and you know that a good play's coming. You, you know somebody's going to heave the ball downfield. It's all very exciting. Matt disappeared, so I'll keep talking. Um, Between, <laughs> flea flicker is, is the most identifiable random thing on the football field outside of maybe Fumble Ruski. I think if somebody if somebody thought the if Fumble somebody, Ruski play was being played. Yeah. Fumble Ruski. They would just scream it. Yes. But uh yeah, and, flea flicker. So I think it's not run partially because it's a gimmick play. Um and people have biases against what they perceive as gimmick plays. Um and also because there is a lateral involved and I, everybody sees that as a bigger perceived risk. Um just because it can lead to a fumble. But here's the thing, like clearly pl- flea flickers are not used enough. They're because they are effective. Like they they're like super play action plays where the running back actually has it, so everybody reacts very strongly and it opens things up for people. And the lateral that occurs, unless unless the play there's is no just defense, there's no yeah, unless the line just totally crumbles, that is a very safe lateral. Back to a quarterback who takes shotgun snaps all day. So it is a great idea. It, the fact that it works a lot means that it should be run more because you should you should run effective plays until the defense adjusts to them. And so, yeah, you should run like two of those a game. Um, I'm I am on board with any and all plays involving safe laterals or changes of you know person handling the ball and a throw. Like there should be tons more of those. I understand why there's not like hook and ladders. That's in the middle of the field, kind of a dangerous lateral. You're getting hit at the time. That's fine. But Flea Flicker is like a nice, safe lateral in a huge deception play. They're great. I, I, I agree. Like, tons more Flea Flickers, please. So what's your opinion on those, like, double reverse OBJ throws a pass? No. Too, those take too long to develop. Like, that's the other good thing about a Flea Flicker. It develops super fast. Like, it, it's three steps, flip back, and it's out. So uh, anything where you're reversing field two, like, just leads to holding penalties all the time. And mm-hmm. that's no good either, so. Um, they're like the perfect deception play. I wonder if the reason they're not used more is just because the if it do, if the coverage is good, the quarterback ultimately gets hit. I mean, I, I I really don't know. I can't understand why they wouldn't. What what's there's so little downside to that play. Yeah, there is. I, I think it's just, it really is just a bias against gimmick plays, and that's well, what it's what labeled. If, I mean, if your blocking breaks down, your quarterback's going to get obliterated. Maybe your running it's, back gets obliterated, and it saves him from getting hit because he doesn't get to hit it back. That's fair. Uh, I mean, it does take one one more blocker out of the play. It does. Um, that's true. It takes a blocker out of the play, but I don't like. It seems like just such a low risk, high reward play. That there should be tons more of them. Oh, how about this? Uh, fake jet motion, 
QB splits out wide, flea flicker to the wide receiver, Philly special. Sounds like something we could try on Madden. <laughs> <laughs> there was a lot going on there. I no, also like. Can, are you are you imagining what I'm saying here? Mm, yeah, sort of. I I also like any play where the the quarterback throws to a wide receiver who's behind the line of scrimmage, and then, and then the receiver throws. Yeah, then the receiver ends up throwing. That's also very fun. There should be more of those too. The receiver option play. Yeah, love it. Well, I don't know if you guys knew this, but Edelman was a quarterback in college. Never heard that before. Wow, learning so much today about Jimmy Graham and Julian Edelman. Uh, and Jonathan Taylor could have gone to Harvard. All these things. Well, did you know Ryan Fitzpatrick actually went to Harvard? I, I, I'd well, heard that. No, what? There's a Harvard guy. <laughs> Jeez. <sighs> Do we have any other questions? I don't think we – we've got a few sorry, duplicates. Paul's faux outrage was just too perfect. Like. We, have a lot, we have a lot of questions that we've answered recently, so that's why I was kind of skimming through them, like – yeah. Um, like, how do we see the season going? Well, um, let's see here. I think that might be the last. I like that you've cornered the as eligible Twitter handle. Not that that's like a common phrase or anything, but I feel like that's a, that's a good get. That's I think a so. Good get. Yeah. I'm surprised it was wasn't taken. So if anybody has questions, as eligible at as eligible is a place to find us, yes. and uh, we love it. We love it that people like it. people like us. Paul yeah. And it, Matt, we get more questions all the time. Ask away. Um, as eligible, we'll always answer there. You can also tweet at me or DM me. or We even, by the way, have the reporting as eligible at gmail.com. You can email questions to if you want. No one's ever done it. Who knows? Maybe it'll happen. <laughs> well, have we ever plugged the email address? No, this is the first time. So that's okay, why no so one's ever done it. Good it point. literally <laughs> exists in a vacuum. Yep. <laughs> People just taking shots in the dark here. <laughs> it would have been cool if somebody guessed. <laughs> It's some, some but it somebody's bill that got sent to the wrong address. I can I think confirm it has not. Also, happened. with with our infinite availability through Twitter, and we're the kind of people who actually answer our mentions. Yep. Uh, it negates the necessity. This is true. Yep. All right. Let's wrap this puppy up. Um, I quick fantasy league. We won't go through the whole. You thing. are not in the lead. I'm anymore. not in the lead. I actually played Epstein's Island this week, and he destroyed me. I had a very bad fantasy week. I would be worried that there's a lot of dog pee on Epstein's Island. Did I would you also. hear the story about this, about Theo Epstein? Uh, yes, I did. Uh, yeah, so that's where that reference but is But feel free, from. yes. Uh, well, I didn't... I, I've only read like a few paragraphs of this story about how he's getting sued some property that he owns because they feel that his dog came over with excessive and excessively urinated everywhere. I think that's it. Some Very bizarre. Yeah. Very bizarre. Uh, anyway, he got 28 points from the Patriot defense, which is super obnoxious, um, and that's why he won. Uh, but g- good job. Good job. Epstein's Who's Island. Epstein's Island, by the way? Do I we know? forget because it doesn't have his name in it. Very sad. Um, Shout out to you, Anonymous. Anonymous I'll, I'll do it. I'll do it next time. All right. Please. Epstein's Island, please make sure you at me on Twitter, and I will do something nice that will probably annoy Paul. Well, anyway, if he wins, he gets a video game, so that's all, so much the better. Right, but like, what's the fun in that if we don't get to goad you while the season is happening? Fair enough. Be sure to at media celebrity Matub. Call me Matub. <laughs> <laughs> hey, man, it ain't much, but it's honest. <laughs> you must have been, because like... Uh, you say you're Monday drunk, and I'm sure I'm sure that was true. But to get that much interaction on, I know that's a big deal. I you were sky high on Twitter interactions. I have a feeling. oh no, dude. So legitimately, I was in the Acme Packing Company Slack, like watching my <laughs> interactions go up. Like guys, it might hit a million today. It might hit he a did. million. He was doing that. A million and is then, staggering. I have to I have to just say that is very impressive. That's incredible. And it's actually I tried to leverage my Twitter 
to get free gym equipment once. Um, <laughs> so I, I, I average about a million interactions a month. Uh huh. And the fact that I did a month's worth of work in one tweet was kind of big. Um, I actually had this, this company, we were going back and forth and then they like finally went to my Twitter page. <laughs> we were like, are you serious? <laughs> Cause I was, I was just sending them stats. I was like, yeah, these are, this is how many times I tweet. These are like, whatever. And you're an influence. You can, you can do the next, work. you can promote the next fire festival when it comes up. <laughs> People I'm can hang out with you. I don't, I don't oh, think you guys knew that. I, ja Rule and I were just like, tight. Sweet. That's incredible. incredible. All right. <laughs> Let's get out of here. JR, any plugs? Uh, I did a story this last week that actually not that many people read, so it was super exciting. But uh, October 18th is the 50th anniversary of Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. Then he was Lou Alcindor, but his first game in a Milwaukee Bucks uniform. So what I did, because this is the stuff that was interesting to me, is uh, looked back at the old Milwaukee journals to see kind of what people were talking about. Like, I, I assumed he was a big deal, uh, you know, <laughs> throughout from the start of the year before they even, you know, knew that they'd won the coin flip to get the rights to draft him first. And, and he was. He was mentioned in every game story. You know, everybody was talking about Lou Cinder. And so I kind of copied down some of the old stuff that uh, that had been written about him, interviews that had been given, his first public appearance in Milwaukee, things like that. And I really enjoyed writing it and kind of going back and looking at that stuff. So it's kind of a kind of a journal, so to speak, blow by blow of, of uh, you know, the Kareem hype leading into his first game October 18th as a member of the Milwaukee Bucks. Uh, I believe I'm going to have a list of uh, sporting events that where uh, where bad calls led to good results for the Wisconsin teams, given uh, given the events of this Monday Night Football game, and uh, <laughs> I, I compiled a list of uh, seven or eight moments in somewhat recent sports history. The instant replay game is among those mentioned, so nice. you can check that out. Uh, that should be up Wednesday morning at jsonline.com. Very cool. Matt, anything? Uh, no. I'm trying to replicate your Monday magic. Nonsense. Good luck. No, but like, I, 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 shout out to the Axe in the Oak Distillery. Um, <laughs> you're, you're the real MVP. Actually, my my favorite thing I've tweeted in the last 48 hours that no one saw because it was a conversation with a friend of mine. Um, I said that the, the bourbon from the Axe in the Oak is smooth and smoky. It's like the Kathleen Turner of bourbon. That is an that is a pull. That is a pull, and you know, for you, kind of an older reference. Nicely done. <laughs> yeah, very sophisticated. So, yeah. Very sophisticated. Um, one of my all-time favorite movies slash books is uh, High Fidelity, and Jack Black playing the character Barry says that he's going to name his band Kathleen Turner Overdrive. <laughs> okay, that's good. <laughs> <laughs> that's the Kathleen Turner reference. <sighs> all right, all right, all right. But also, I remember so, Kathleen Turner from her decaffeinated coffee crystals commercials. Okay, all right. So anyway, before we get out of here, um, first of all, High Fidelity is good. It's a good book and a good movie. Um, you, you should, if a good Kathleen Turner movie is Romancing the Stone. It's with Michael Douglas. It's from the 80s. Um, it is kind of like a romantic Indiana Jones movie. It's really good. Um, I highly recommend watching it. So that you have something to base this reference on in the future that isn't that. I'm having a hard time breathing. <laughs> Guys, we're never going to get JR back. He legitimately is laughing so hard he can't put air into his body. Uh, I'm good, guys. All right. I'm good. So anyway, um, oh my, my Shepherd Express column came out today. It is recapping all of the nonsense that happened in that game, referees and all that jazz we just talked about. 
Ah, um, next week we get the Raiders. We didn't talk about them at all, but that's okay. Packers are going to win. Um, that's yeah. my review. Packers probably are going to win that game. They did beat the Bears in London, but mm-hmm. they're also a garbage team coached by an idiot. GM big idiot. Vegas line when I checked this morning was Packers by six. That sounds about right. I mean, yeah, so, um, that'll be fun. Anyway, um, that is all for us. And enjoy the game next week. We will talk to you again later. Vegas turning day into night time.